The Altar Life. The Altar Life with Brent and Jeff. Some things just can't be explained, like if rabbit feet are supposed to be so lucky, what happened to that rabbit? Huh? <laughs> huh? He's not so lucky, is he? <laughs> the Altar Life with Brent and Jeff every Saturday night at 9, and guess what time it is? 9.01. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we've started. That's why we're back. Yeah, it feels good to be back after three weeks of repeats. It's good to be back with a brand new episode, continuing on with our Revelation series um, was a fifth church, Jeff? Yeah, that's correct. The dead church. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> B, the letter B, and four, the number four. And you, the letter U. <laughs> because that's hip hop yeah, lingo. Yeah, we're trying to be cool hip hop people, <laughs> even though we're white. You're listening to the Alter Life with Brent and Jeff. All right, that was the coldest heart, the classic crime, and um, we're going to kick up of our topic tonight, the fifth church in the book of Revelation out of seven. Uh, we're going to be starting in Revelation chapter three tonight. So open your Bibles, get them open. We're going to read, I'm going to start reading, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, um, the church of the sardines, <laughs> little fishes. These things says he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Word up. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> it doesn't sound as good, does it? That's really what we're talking about tonight. Jesus says, be watchful. That's the checking. Mm-hmm. And strengthen those things that remain that are ready to die. That's the before you wreck yourself. <laughs> and, die uh, is wreck yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Jesus, his uh, opinion of us um, is always different than man's opinion because he can actually see what, he sees what's going on on the inside. And we don't fool him in any way. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. And this show is, is not necessarily the same as our past shows when it's been talking to Christians who aren't living up to par. This has to do with Christians... I'm sorry, this has to do with people that are living up to par that aren't even Christians. The dead church. There's nothing going on. There's no life. There's no uh, spirit rebirth that's taking place. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah, you can't actually um, struggle with things in your life. You can't really have this... this you know, the spirit isn't battling inside your heart unless you actually have life to begin with. Yeah. And um, these people, Jesus is looking at these people going, you know, you say that you have... Um, that you are alive, um, but you really are dead. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting in deeper into this topic. We have a lot of songs this next two hours that are going to be talking about, you know, dead man, dead men coming to life and, um, you know, <laughs> the resurrection process. Um, but it's a good, th- it's a good topic to, to really 
be mindful of and to look at ourselves, you know, as we go through it and to say, you know, where am I? What if, what would Jesus see if he looked inside my heart? You know, um, am I alive or am I dead? Am I just playing the game or what? So, yeah, if you grow up in the church, especially you do things because that's how you've done them your whole life. You're not necessarily out there living in sin. You're in this like holding area because you know to live out there in sin is wrong and you know, you know what not to do. There's something that you have to do that you've neglected, and that is to strengthen those things and remember those things that you learned um, back when you were young. And uh, we're going to be talking about that tonight. Stay tuned for the next, you know, hour, hour, 45 minutes, whatever we got left on this show. So I love the first verse in this chapter um, that I read, you know, and the first thing that Jesus says to these people of these sardine people, um, he says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And one thing to remember about Jesus is that, you know, you can't really fool him. He's not like going to be, you know, you're not going to get up to heaven and he's going to be like, and why well, welcome you to heaven, Mr. Joke. Wait a minute. You're not really a Christian. Like he's not going to be surprised. You know, <laughs> he's not like thinking that you're saved and that you're. You know, you're okay, and you know, he's one of my kids, and he's going to be surprised that, oh, wait, he's not really. Like, <laughs> Jesus sees what's going on inside of our hearts, and um, it's something that we often forget. I mean, I know I forget sometimes. I think that, you know, if I fool the people around me, then um, I would be fine. But really, Jesus is the one that really matters. You know, he's the judge, the just judge, and he sees what's going on. And um, he can sniff out a, a fake, a phony, um, better than anyone. And um, it's just it's just something as we're going talking about whether we're alive or dead. Remember that it doesn't matter what you think, whether you're alive or you're dead. Um, it just really matters what Jesus sees and what Jesus thinks. And what Jesus thinks is the truth. <laughs> you might be like, well, I got my Jesus is my homeboy shirt on, so I'm all good. And then Jesus, you know, stand in front of the judgment seat and he's like, I'm not your homeboy. <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you had the Christian T-shirts. You had the, you know, being in the church every night, going to every service being on the worship team, all those things. And guess what? You can do that without any conversion, without any rebirth. You're just doing that because you get that good feeling for doing something right. And uh, you know that you're not really in sin, so there's no condemnation or guilt. And uh, But, you know, you like that, that reputation. We'll be talking about that a little bit with the Pharisees. Like, they um, they love the, the, the best places in the in the houses and they, you know, they liked being the ones that were seen in the marketplaces and Jesus rebused them for that. There is a, there's a certain, you know, aura to being in leadership. I don't know if you're, uh, you know, you might not even be in a church that might not even be a struggle for you, but when you're in a leadership position at a church, there's like this sense of respect and like, and you know, honor that you get. And that can be a real stumbling block for people that they're striving for that so much that they're neglecting uh the the life that needs to be in it's time for our unbelievable spot can you imagine if we did a double unbelievable it'd be like eight minutes of ridiculousness <laughs> straight through and if you haven't tuned in before if you haven't heard an unbelievable segment that we do basically an unbelievable segment is where we you know go on a, a rant about something that we think is unbelievably good unbelievably bad or just unbelievably amazing ugly. <laughs> or ugly yeah unbelievably good bad ugly and uh a lot of times, it's not even unbelievable. Like, it's believable, but it's just cool. <laughs> and we, <laughs> we just feel, go up. We feel it's worthy of making it ridiculous. So, um, you this, know. I'm, this week, we have the the greatest invention there ever was, and it's the dollar menu. Mm. 
Yum. for all those people that where money's a little tight. That's right. <laughs> you're you're really hungry, but you're short on cash. Where you where do you go? <laughs> the dollar menu. People say the dollar's losing its power against the euro and stuff. You see those commercials <laughs> and stuff. The dollar is still still can get you a lot of good stuff. <laughs> I think. I mean, look at that. Dollar can get you five piece nuggets. I mean, it can get you a double cheeseburger. It can uh, get you a baked cheese, potato. You know, <laughs> Frosty at Wendy's. You know? um, it's pretty good for a dollar. I can handle that, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I can feed my wife and me and um, my kid. Well, he doesn't eat that much, but, you know, for eight bucks. Yeah. Eight bucks. That's like one combo for me because <laughs> I get the biggie size with the add the sour cream and cheese and chili <laughs> to my burger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I'm the kind of guy that gets ahead. the new thing whenever it's on the menu, <laughs> right. and uh, it doesn't matter how expensive it is. It's the new thing, and I buy into the marketing ploy. I see the commercial for it, the new cheesy, oh, beefy, yeah. crunchy melt, and you're like, oh. It's got Monterey Jack. I mean, I don't even know what Monterey means, but <laughs> it sounds so good. This has Swiss cheese instead of cheddar. <gasps> I must have it <laughs> for $4 more. <laughs> no, you could have simply just gotten... Three burgers for that price. Dude, you can Easy. get like for five bucks. I can have five burgers. The, th- the the danger with the dollar menu is that you think you're eating less calories because you're spending less money, but usually it's the other way around. The less money you spend, the more calories it is. Because think about it: if they can sell it for a dollar and make a profit, how good is that food really? <laughs> it can't be that good. No, it, it probably cost be. them like five cents to make. It's like processed beef, beef from the road or something. <laughs> <laughs> cheese product. We went off on that easy cheese a couple shows ago. That's right. <laughs> Fake imitation cheese. Oh. Beef and cheese. The theme of our show today is check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I believe you know that even applies to um, shopping for fast food on the dollar menu. Because you know what? You know, before you decide to spend eight bucks on eight cheeseburgers, remember, because <laughs> it's so easy and it sounds so good when you're hungry, but, um, you know, it could kill you. <laughs> Frankly, so check yourself before you wreck yourself with processed beef and cheese. <laughs> before you wreck your colon. <laughs> oh, man. All right, that was Bebo Norman. We were alluding a little bit um, to just how you can be so cool and have a name um, that makes you seem like to other people that you're alive, but really you're dead. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And um, in Matthew 23, he was throwing out a bunch of woes to the Pharisees. Um, (laughs) But one of the woes that he he told them was um, in, in chapter 23, verse 27, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Call some hypocrites. It says, for you are like whitewashed tombs. I've never seen a whitewashed tomb. Maybe someday um, I'll actually look and see what that means. But <laughs> you're a whitewashed tomb, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is basically telling these guys, look, you look, you looked apart. You know, you look like a religious leader. You know, you look like a, a spiritual person. You wear the shirt and tie to church. And, you um, you know, you look like a pastor. You look like you got the same, um, you know, as you lead worship, you, you beat like all the other worship leaders. You know, you, <laughs> you sound like them all. You sound like Chris Tomlin when you sing, so you must be a good worship leader. And it's like you have all that stuff going for you, but 
Jesus is looking at your heart and saying, you know what, this person isn't even a believer. Yeah. You know, isn't it? It's possible to be a pastor, to be a worship leader, to be a ministry leader, and it can be completely dead. You know, and not be a believer at all. Yeah, look around in all the churches in this, you know, in this city that you live in. I'm sure there's a lot of churches you walk in and a place is just dead. You've heard that term before, oh, that church is dead. Well, how does that happen? It's because it's full of dead people. That's why yeah. the church is dead. The church is a, is a group of, you know, supposed to be a group of believers. So a dead church is kind of a, an oxymoron in a sense. <laughs> but, uh, you know, John, sorry, John the Baptist, he rebukes the Pharisees very early on in his ministry about bring they should bring forth fruits of repentance show signs of repentance instead of focusing so much on their heritage and their reputation as being children of abraham but uh we're going to take a break for the station id we'll see you on the other side we are moving on through the passage next is verse what verse is that three yep three remember therefore how you have received and heard hold fast and repent that is what jesus he says here you are in this current state you think you're alive. Everybody else thinks you're alive. But I can see through all that rubbish, all that facade, and say, you know what? There's just dead man's bones in there. So what do you do to fix it? Here you go. Remember what you have received, what you've heard, and hold fast to it. Yeah. When you're in a church and you grow up in it, you hear the same thing. Like how many times have you heard the gospel preached? Mm-hmm. I can't even count how many times I've heard it. Does that mean that I'm a Christian because I heard the gospel? No. It's if you hold fast to it, if you take it. That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is uh, challenging this church about is that they've heard it. They know it. They haven't held fast to it. They haven't repented and taken hold of the gift of life that he's offered to them. Yeah, I love Jesus's heart here because he's not really con- he's he's like telling them how they are. He's letting them know, look, you're dead. But he's not like telling them, you know, he's not like. The, it's not. He's not judging them. He's not yeah. like at this point judging them. He's warning them. He's saying his heart is really like, look, you guys have heard the truth. You know, you know the real thing, and all you got to do is just remember the things you know and repent. And um, you know that repent word. Stop, turn around, and go the other direction. Um, you know, requires some sort of change. Not not necessarily um, in your actions, but that's part of it. It's in your actions as well as in your heart. Mm-hmm. And it's a real heart thing because, you know, the whole point of this whole thing is, like, our actions, we're doing stuff. Um, you know, we can do the right stuff and we can, you know, we could even be a great musician. Like we were talking about being a worship leader. But um, you could be a great musician, but if, unless in your heart, you know, you're a believer, it doesn't mean anything. And it's a matter of turning your heart around toward Jesus. Like John the Baptist said, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. It's not about being, you know, well, my mom and my grandmother, my dad's the pastor of this church. Well, guess what? That doesn't matter. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. You know, moving on in our Revelation chapter 3, Jesus continues on with his warning. um, And I believe he's warning these people because he loves them. You know, if he didn't love them, he would have just, like, watched them die and wouldn't have tried to warn them. He would have just let them go to their their doom. Um, but he took it, looked at these dead people, and he's continuing on to warn them and say, "Look, if you don't, if you don't repent, you know, and you waste a lot of time, he's like, I'm just going to show up, um, <laughs> and like a thief in the night, and you won't know, you won't know what that hour is. You don't know what that hour is. We don't know what hour he's going to come back and return. Um, and he wants to, he wants them to make sure that they know what side of the fence they're on. Exactly, because 
you know, you can come to a point in your life where it's a gray area and you're like, uh, you know, I think I am, but I haven't really, you know, everybody talks about Christianity, you know, and I get this way. Everybody talks about it like it's this incredibly emotional experience. And for me, it wasn't like that, becoming a Christian. It's been a process. It's been step by step. That's why it's called the Christian walk. It's one foot in front of the other, making progress. And uh, a lot of times people have these, you know, Paul, you know, Saul to Paul encounters, you know, where it's just like, you know, God shows up on the road and knocks you off your horse. <laughs> and your high horse, and then <laughs> and your horse talks to you like yeah. Balaam. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that wasn't my Christian uh, conversion. You know, it was one of those things where you're four and you're going to church, and you're you know you kind of like, yeah, I believe that. And then as you grow older, those things that you have heard, you begin to hold fast to them. You repent of your sin, and it's a process. But God's coming is imminent, and He's warning us and saying, you know, there's not a lot of time left. Get your act together. Because I've been patient. You know, that's one thing Brent and I were just talking during the last song is that revelation gets a bad rap. (laughs) It's gloom and doom. But look at the love of God here, the patience that he doesn't just say, hey, you're dead. And now I'm going to kill you even more. Too bad. So sad. (laughs) You're dead. (laughs) And your name is Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Jinx. (laughs) But he says, hey, here's what you do to get back. Because if you don't, you know, that's like your parents, like. You know, don't eat that cookie. And then you eat it and you're like, what did I say? You don't need that you third know. cheeseburger from the dollar menu. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> Go sit in it. It's like he's putting them in timeout before he's bringing the, ham- the hammer down. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's warning them. He's like, if you do it, you know. But uh, it's very important that we really check ourselves. Not, you know, in that humorous check yourself before you wreck yourself. But do it a personal inventory and say, yeah. you know, when did I? Or, or the things that I know of the gospel, is that real to me? Is it exactly what i'm feeling don't be deceived the enemy wants you to think that jesus is out to get you and the fact is jesus is warning you and is loving you and wanting you to be on where he wants you to be and what that is is he wants to give you life and the bible says he wants to do it and give you life more abundantly and um dude that sounds awesome to me there's nothing you can really do to prepare to rock do you prepare to eat a delicious meal no are you hungry then you're gonna eat it and i'm hungry for rock 24 7 the Alter Life with Brent and Jeff. Right, another '90s flashback. The Supertones found. Moving on in Revelation. This has been a. Actually, I thought this was going to be a doom and gloom. Uh, just the dead church. You know, yeah. just think about like it's. I thought it was going to be really, uh, you know, just depressing. But it's been pretty. You know, there's a lot of hope involved in it too. Yeah. It's exciting. Another hope that Jesus throws out there in this passage is he's talking about, he says, you know, there are some people, even in the church of the Sardines, uh, the Sardis church, he says, there are some people that are actually, um, that I see that are worthy, and they, um, they're true blue Christians, and um, the reward for those people is awesome. Like, he's like, I'm with, they're going to be, wa- they walk with me in white, um, they're going to have be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That's pretty sweet. That's a sweet hookup. You know, I just thought of is like how when Jesus was uh, being scourged and stuff, that they would use that as a form of, you know, extracting information. Yeah. That, uh, you know, but as a sheep... He kept his mouth shut and didn't confess, you know, our sins, saying, hey, it's them. Mm-hmm. But if we follow him, he's willing to confess from the rooftops that we're his kids. He kept his mouth shut to save us. Yeah. He's going to open his mouth 
to save us too. Wow, so. that's really cool. <laughs> I just thought of that. That's pretty neat. Um, but, but go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, it's just be encouraged because um, you may feel like you're the only real Christian in the midst of a youth group or in the midst of a Bible study or of a church that. You know, you look around and you're like, all these people are phonies. You know, yeah. I'm the, I may be the only one here that has a real relationship um, with God. And, you know, God's got you there for a reason probably, And um, but he sees you. And he, you know, just because you're associated with them and their group, um, and when it comes time when the trumpet blows, you know, he knows who his people are. Mm-hmm. And um, you're going to be going with him. Yeah, you know, and my advice to you is if you are in a church where... There's a lot of dead people you're sitting and you're stuck there. Just beat them up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just wanted to get Brent's reaction to that. He thought I was going to bring home some huge spiritual truth. And, uh, like, I did not beat them. <laughs> just like say, hey, you're dead. Smack them across the Put face. Put them with in a, a box and send them to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> like Garfield and Nermal. I don't know why I just thought of that. Abu Dhabi. That's a great place. I just wanted to say Abu Dhabi. If you have ever been to Abu Dhabi, email us at CoolCat. <laughs> Speaking of Nermal and Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> cool cat of the week. That's no, awesome. Cool cat at the altar life. Oh my gosh, that's great. But it's such a great promise to not to know that our name is secured in the book of life and that Jesus is going to stand up for us. But you just got to do what he says. You got to hold fast to the word. You're listening to the altar life with Brent and Jeff. All right, that was living by Bleach. How do we get among the living? Like that last song that we talked about death all day long, and now there's a promise. And there's a choice that is set before us. Do we choose life or death? In Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Old Testament, believe it or not, it actually speaks to us. Kicking it old school (laughs) with the Old Testament. This is the original check yourself before you wreck yourself. He says, I set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, and and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And then skipping down to verse 19, he says, I call heaven... And earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. That is so important, and it's cool how that ties in about clinging to him. Not just saying, yeah, I love Jesus. Clinging to him, holding fast, like it said in Revelation. And I love that he says, I said before you life and death, therefore choose life. <laughs> like, yeah. if you, you think it's a no-brainer when you read it on paper, but how many of us have chosen the wrong the yeah. wrong door? <laughs> yeah, the wrong door that was set before us. I love that cling word because, um, you know, real true blue believers, sons of God, um, are sons. They're not just slaves. They're not just people who do good stuff for God. They're actually people who have a close, intimate father-son relationship with the Heavenly Father. And, you know, I have a little one, a little kid, and he's like 14 or 15, and when he really is scared or hurt or something, he wants to He's cling. 14 years old? No. Oh, sorry. Months. Months. <laughs> he, he months. Neglected months. the word months. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> 14 or 15 months. And, uh, you know, when he's scared or something, he wants to cling to his mom or his dad, and he, he does it with all his might because that's where he finds his refuge and um he wouldn't do that if he what didn't have a relationship with his parents like he does um and the same with us you know don't be caught up in just all the good religious stuff and um like a like a pharisee be dead inside so that's it that's all we got for tonight check yourself before you wreck yourself 
And until next week, be cool cats. Choose to live for Christ. (laughs) 